as we focus our, our hearts and our minds on the offering today and as we go into a time of reading of God's word, one of the things that excites me most is seeing what God is doing around this world. At CBC, we want to be the heartbeat of Clarksburg. We want to seek the good and prosperity of the city around us. So we partner with organizations and different, organ, different people who are doing great things in this community. But it's also beyond that because we truly believe that God is calling us with the blessings that we've been given to bless the nations. Amen? And so we love to see what God is doing all throughout this world. And today, I'm excited because we have some global servants from international ministries who are here today to bring God's word and share with you what God is doing in the country of Mexico. Uh, so in a second, I'm going to invite up some of my, you're not supposed to play favorites, I know that, but some of my favorite people in this world, Keith and Debbie Myers, I love what God is doing with them down in Mexico. I love being able to spend time with them. And also, I want to share a little, just a little tidbit. This is kind of interesting, fun fact. The last time we hung out together, it was when Phil, Josh, and I were talking about me moving here. So that was cool. You all didn't even know that part. We were hanging out on a boat in Wisconsin. I'm like texting Phil Wayman back and forth, like, hey, I kind of want to move to Clarksburg. So fun fact, there you go. Uh, but I'm excited for that. But I want to pray over our offering and pray over them and a lot of them come and share from God's word. God, we thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we can truly say it is well with our souls. And I pray that is true of everyone here today, that regardless of what is going on around us, no matter what's going on, even within us, God, because of what your son Jesus has done, we can say it is truly well with our souls. And yes, we, we haste the day where we look forward to see those clouds roll back and you come down and return to your people. God, we thank you for the opportunity to give to this local church and what you are doing in this community and all over the world. Bless that offering. And God, as we come to hear from your global servants, God, we thank you for this opportunity to sit at their feet to hear from them this morning. Send your sons, let me pray. Amen. morning. It is awesome and a pleasure and a privilege to, to be with you all this morning and have the opportunity to share with you about the, the work that uh, in the ministry God is doing in Mexico. Uh, he didn't, uh, he wasn't waiting on us to get there to start working. Amen. He's already at work around us and he's inviting us as his people, as his children uh, called to good works. Uh, he's inviting us into a work that he is, he is already doing. And Deb and I just get the privilege and honor of doing that in the country of, country of Mexico. You get the privilege and honor of doing that in your local community here. And uh, Deb and I are just always great to talk with Pastor Phil and to Scott and to Josh and just about what God's doing in Clarksburg and how he's using you all as his hands and feet here. And, and uh, it's just impressive and it's, we are blessed to be connected with you all in that way. And, and we praise God for, for each one of you. Uh, in your ministry here in Clarksburg, your local ministry here. Uh, also, our brothers and sisters in Mexico, Deb and I partner with an organization called CSEM and also with the Baptist Seminary in Mexico City. Our brothers and sisters there, they send their love to you, their regards to you, and, and, and their gratitude to you for your prayers, your financial support, and uh, just remembering them in, in Mexico. Uh, and so they are, they are grateful for you all as well. So you're making an impact around the world, and we celebrate that this morning. Uh, if you'll go on to the next slide. Uh, this morning I want to share a little bit from the scripture and bathe our morning in the scripture. I always think about in the morning when I get up and do like devos and stuff like that and, and read the word. I remind, when I was a little kid, there was, a, there was this other kid in my class and he used, 
Irish Spring Soap. And if you all know anything about Irish Spring Soap, it's one of those soaps that kind of gets on you. And like even like in the day, you might catch a whiff of it on yourself and it, and it smells good. And I'm kind of reminded of that like when I read the scripture. Uh, that, you know, sometimes I don't know why I'm reading, what I'm reading or anything, but I, I'm just into the word of God. And it's like this, this bath that I'm taking for the day. And then throughout the day, sometimes I get, oh yeah, that's why I needed that scripture today, Lord. And because the word of God is, it's alive, uh, it's active, it's moving. And as we hear the word, as it gets shared this morning, the amazing thing with me for, for, to, to realize about the word of God, as it's alive and active, as it gets spoken... It doesn't like hit the wall back there. Uh, it doesn't hit a pew. It doesn't hit the floor. It doesn't come back to me void. None of that. It actually lands on you. Uh, and, and the word says that it's, it's powerful. It's, it's active. It's alive. That it goes into the, the marrow of your bones. It pierces through a double-edged sword of sorts. And, and it pierces through into the marrow. And, and that's the power of the word of God. And as we hear the word this morning. And as we hear the words of Jesus this morning. Another amazing thing about the word to me is as it lives, the authority that Jesus spoke these words to his disciples and those were, that were around that day, the word carries that same weight today. It has that same authority. It has that same power. power. It never grows weary. It never, it, it never slows down. And, and, and this is thousands of years later, and the same authority that Jesus spoke with is the same authority we receive the word with when we open up the word of God. Is that not amazing? God is just, he's just amazing in, in, in how he, he, he does this. But I've got to move on. I could, I could spend some time on that. But uh, we've labeled this the Great Commission. Uh, we've labeled the Great Commission. It's got, to me, it's the biggest little word in the Bible, uh, go, uh, that, that's in it. And uh, as we read the word this morning, I pray that, that you would receive it in a way that is fresh to you. I'm sure you've heard plenty of sermons on this, and I'm not going to preach on this this morning, but just share a little bit from, from the word in Matthew 28, uh, verses 18 through 20. And the word of God says this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to gather as your body, known as the church. We glorify you. All of this is for you, Lord. Thank you for your people, Lord. Thank you for your call. Thank you for knowing us in our deepest parts, Lord. The word says in Psalms 42, 7, that deep calls out to deep. I imagine this is it's the deepest part of you, God, calling out to the deepest part of us. Wanting a relationship. You are good. You are faithful. You are just. We worship you. Help us hear your word in truth this morning, Lord, in a way that it's not just words, but it's put into action. 
But Lord, we desperately need you. We need you in our homes. We need you in our workplaces, communities, our schools, our government, throughout the world, Lord. We praise you because you never grow weary. You never leave us. You never abandon us. You never forsake us. Whatever we might be going through this day, Lord, you know us and you know the situation. Give us the faith, Lord, to turn it over to you. The confidence to know that you are at work. The confidence to know that you love us more than anything. We are your people. Called by your name. Called for your purpose. Help us to glory, glorify and honor you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. These words that we read from Jesus this morning or that we see, he gives this commission to go and meaning in the idea of not just go one time but more along the lines of as you go meaning as you go into your workplaces as you go into your communities as you go to your schools wherever it might be that you go that we are image bearers of God and that he calls us he calls each of you by your name he calls each of us to go and to make disciples. He calls each of us to, to teach the thing. Why is church so important? Why is the gathering and the word so important? It's because it's where we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us how we go forth into a lost and dying world that is in desperate need of a Savior. And these are the words of Jesus as he speaks to us this morning and he says to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. It's almost, I, I, unfortunately my mind works like this sometimes, but I'm reminded of this commercial back in the early 80s where this guy would get up in the mornings, and as he would get up in the mornings, he would kind of just shuffle around, and he had this saying that he would say as he would go through the morning. He would go down, he would make his coffee, and he had this saying that he would just continue to say, and then he would go on to work, and he would say this saying. And the saying was, I'll see if you're my people or not, but the saying was, it is time to make the donut. You are my people. And so, exactly, it was, it's, you are, it's time to make the donuts. And Jesus wasn't saying it's time to make the donuts, not to make light of this in any way, but what he was saying is it's time to make the disciples. That as you wake up in the morning, it should be with more enthusiasm than what this guy had, but it should be this idea that it's time to make the disciples. I've got a call, I've got a purpose, I have something in my life to do today because Christ has enabled me. And then the cool thing about it is he says, and as you go, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm there beside you. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have everything studied up. You don't have to have all this great knowledge. All you have to do is show up and let me be God and you be you. And you just be you and show up and watch what God does because it's amazing. It's amazing that when we just allow God to be God and us to be us and get out of his way, uh, how incredible the work is that God does in us and then through us, his children, called by his name and bearing his image. On the next slide, just a little bit about our family, just briefly. Uh, Deb and I, we have been uh, married for almost 29 years now. Uh, we've been, uh, we're both originally from West Virginia. I'm from up the road at Worthington. I was a pastor there for about eight years, uh, and I uh, was also a school teacher, taught at Big Elm Elementary and Monongah uh, Elementary School uh, as an a, uh, uh, elementary teacher, of course, and uh, with kids with special needs. 
And, and Deb worked as a program director in, for Workforce West Virginia, uh, working with individuals with disabilities, uh, folks who are dislocated workers, uh, and our veterans with PTSD, uh, helping in, in, in different ways with that. She wore a lot of different hats in that. It's hard to explain her. I, I just called her a party planner, but, but she, she did a lot more than that. Uh, but we have two kids, Boyden and Bailey. Uh, they are, uh, they're not with us. Uh, Boyden, uh, he, he kind of lives in Morgantown, uh, but right now he's in between. He just got accepted into a PhD program for biochemistry at Utah. So he's doing some traveling right now, and then he's headed out to Utah uh, when he gets back from, from there. Our, our daughter, Bailey, she lives in Columbus, Ohio. She uh, works for an insurance uh, broker there. Uh, they both love the Lord, and, and, and we're grateful uh, for their love that they have for the, just that, that passion that they have for people uh, as well, for the advancement of the, of the kingdom of God. Uh, Deb and I have been with International Ministries now for almost 11 years. Uh, it'll be 11 years this August. Uh, we've served that entire time in southern central Mexico. Uh, we served a year in Costa Rica, but it wasn't really serving. It was, it was language studies, uh, which is hard, uh, especially when you're 38 and 40 years old and, and you've never, you, you could say uno, dos, tres, and then maybe cuatro if you can remember it. And you can get to 10 if you could skip a couple numbers, you know, and uh, there were a few words you could say. But uh, So we did that for, for, for a year, and then we've been in, in Mexico uh, since then. Uh, a little bit about our partner. You can go on the next slide. Uh, our partner is called CSEM. Uh, it stands for the Council of Rural Indigenous Evangelical Churches of Mexico. Uh, so it's just a whole lot easier to say uh, CSEM. It's made up of 35 churches, and it spans the bottom four states of Mexico. So if you go on to the next slide, you'll get a, a, a map of Mexico, and those stars are where CSEM is. So the most southern state there uh, is called Chiapas. And if you work your way up the west coast there, you'll come to Oaxaca, and then back into the interior is Puebla. That's where Deb and I live. And then just north of that is the, the, the state of Mexico. Uh, and across those 35 churches, onto the next slide, um, there are six different cultures within those churches. Now, with six different cultures, it's also six different languages as well. So most people, when you ask, you know, what language do they speak in Mexico, course, the national language there we know is Spanish, but did you know this, that there are 66 different languages throughout Mexico? Uh, it is very diverse, very rich in culture. Uh, when we go to each of these communities, they wear different uh, dress, they uh, uh, prepare, the, even their tortillas are prepared different. You know, some, if you go to, uh, to the, the northern mountains of Puebla, you're going to get a tortilla about this size. If you go to Oaxaca, you get them like this size and they're blue. And so they're just prepared a little bit, a little bit differently. Uh, but there are different cultures or different languages, completely different languages. Spanish is like the new language in Mexico. Uh, all these languages predated uh, Spanish. So, for example, in English, we say thank you. In Spanish, we say gracias. In Totonaco, we say pascatini. So as you hear, it's completely different. God bless you. Dios les bendiga. Dios clamak time. Uh, so completely different words. Uh, and so when Deb and I do any of our teachings or we do our preachings or anything like that, uh, we do it all in Spanish. And then we have translators who come alongside of us and translate into those. We just speak words of those. We don't speak the other languages uh, there, just the, just the words. The reason CSEM exists on the next slide is five basic reasons. There's a focus of it. The Baptist Seminary recognized about 40 years ago that our indigenous folks, uh, they couldn't come into the seminary for a couple different reasons. One is financially they couldn't afford to. They can't leave their families for years and go study 
another thing is, is the average pastor uh, it only has about a fourth grade education. So academically, they couldn't keep up with the, uh, the, the work, uh, workload of the seminary. So what the seminary did is they kind of went out and did, um, uh, brought the teachings out to the communities. And this birthed, birthed CSEM. Uh, CSEM, has in, they exist for primarily five reasons. Uh, one is for pastoral leadership development. The other is for our women's ministries, our youth ministries, our children's ministries, and then equipping teachers. Deb and I put probably about 75, 80% of our focus towards the equipping of our pastors and our leaders and our women's ministries. Uh, we do a lot with the others, but this is where we put our primary attention is with the, the pastors. And this morning, we just want to share some stories with you. Uh, stories matter. Uh, your story matters. Uh, and, and so we want to stare, share some stories on the next slide of just some about our pastoral ministries. Everything that we do, we view through the lens of relationship. If we go back to Genesis, you can see that there were four relationships established in creation. The four relationships that were established were between us and God. It's our vertical relationship that we have. The other relationships that were established was we have a relationship with ourself, we have a relationship with our community of people around us, and then we have a relationship with nature in general. Uh, so Adam and Eve, they were given dominion over the land. They could name the animals, that type of stuff. And we're stewards of each one of those relationships. You and I are, are, are stewards of our relationship with God, self, others, and, and creation. And so everything that we do with our pastors is viewed through that lens of what type of relationship are we working with and, and what does that, that look like. One of the places that, our or that there's a struggle with our pastors, and it's not really a struggle. Well, they don't see it as a struggle. Deb and I see it more as a struggle. But they don't they're incredible at pouring into others. Uh, our pastors, they, 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 they do an incredible job of just pouring into their people. Uh, they're like your pastors here. They, they love you and they, they, they pour into you. But sometimes it comes at a cost for them because they neglect putting into their, pouring into themselves. Uh, and so what happens is a lot of times... Uh, you know, they, they end up not, not necessarily burn out because they have nowhere to go. So, I mean, but they end up tired and they, they don't recognize this relationship with self. So we invite them into how do you care for yourself mentally, physically, and spiritually? And one of those ways is by recognizing where God's at work around you. And so we give each of them a journal. This is a, this is a really cool thing for you all to do. It's a great spiritual discipline. We give them a journal and we ask them to write down three times a day where they've seen God in their life that day. Whether it's been in a relationship with someone, whether it's been in nature or a circumstance or somewhere, just three ways that you've seen God. After seven days, you have 21 God sightings, and after 30 days, you have 90 God sightings in your life. With 90 God sightings or even 30 God sightings, what you'll notice is you'll see a pattern of where God's working around you. And when you see a pattern of where God's working, that's an invitation to join him in that work. And so it's just something that's practical for us to be able to say, okay, where is God working? And it's a poco a poco, little by little process that we go through in order to see God working. So what we do with our pastors is when they come back after a week of doing this, we ask them to share, where did you see God this week? And Pastor Beto from Songo Sotla, Mexico, he comes up and he says, I want to share with the group about where I saw God in my five-year-old son. And he said, I saw God in my five-year-old son uh, uh, he was, we were walking to school, and as we were walking to school, David, his son, took a, a, a hardtack candy out of his pocket, took the wrapper, put the candy in his mouth, and threw the wrapper on the ground. And Pastor Beto was like, wait, David, the owner doesn't like it when you do that. And he said, well, who's the owner? He said, well, God's the owner. And little David's eyes got like this big, and he ran back, and he grabbed the paper, and he put it into his pocket. 
The reason I love to share that story is Deb and I, we don't serve on a board of directors. We're advisors to a board. All that we are there to do is to empower our leaders so that they can pour into their congregation so that that congregation can pour out into their community. And so here's what happened. Little five-year-old David, because his dad was poured into from what we've taught, little five-year-old David's got little five-year-old David community. So he goes to his five-year-old community, and he gets the opportunity to say, when one of his buddies throws some garbage onto the ground, wait, the owner doesn't like it when you do that. Now he has the opportunity in practical ways of sharing the gospel to say, this is the owner, let me introduce you to him. And Deb's going to come up and share a little bit about how that works within our women's ministries. You'll go to the next slide. Oh, there we go. Good morning. What a, what an, a wonderful opportunity to be here with you all. Um, it's always a privilege to, to come and to share what God is doing in Mexico. For, like Keith said, for the first 40 years of our life, um, West Virginia was home. And now um, Mexico is home. And so if you ask our kids where is home, they'll say Mexico, even though they grew up um, mostly of their most part of their life in West Virginia. Um, with our women's ministry, it goes along the same way. It's all about relationship. Think about the relationships that you have in your life. And I pray that everybody has a, a vertical relationship with God first. But our women in Mexico, um, they are, um, on the socioeconomic level, they are lowest of the low. Because for an indigenous woman, she usually only speaks 50 and above. Um, only speaks her um, indigenous language. And so there are Bibles written in their indigenous languages, but if you're not able to read it, then, you know, it's, it's just words on a page. And one of the things that they only um, can hear the word is whenever they come into the church, when the pastor is preaching, um, because they don't have adult Bible studies, they don't have Sunday school classes. So what we've, um, through observation over the years, uh, the Lord had sh has shown Keith and I that um, it would be beneficial to help them start small groups um, in each one of the churches. And so what we've done is we've asked um, two of the older women to come together and two of the younger women to come together. Because the younger women, about 40 and below, they can speak Spanish, they can read and write in Spanish, and they're bilingual, they speak in their indigenous language. So they can open up the word of God and share it with the two older women. And so what that has um, become is discipleship both ways. Because these older women, they've walked with Jesus for all these years, you know, they've lived in their community, and, um, and then the younger women, they are able to open up the word and to read it. And so there has been such um, a beautiful relationship that has been built. Latin America, Mexico, all through Central America and South America, they are very family-oriented. And so um, they're always together, it seems like. Whether they're in the coffee fields uh, working or if it's the women in, um, in the, the household. So a lot of the, the discipleship that takes place in these Bible studies that are taking place is around an open fire. Like Keith said earlier, the, the tortillas in Mexico, you can't beat them because um, they're all pure corn handmade over the open fire. And um, so what, what they're doing is when they're going out to gather the wood, they're having these conversations. Whenever they're um, around the, the fire, when they're cooking, they're opening up the word of God. 
And so it doesn't matter where we are. We don't have to be in the church building, amen, to study and to learn and to grow deeper. It's where God has planted you, and that's where God is inviting us in. It's wherever we are. It's as you go. No matter where you are, the grocery store or whatnot, we can disciple other people and then allow them to pour into us as well. On the next slide, um, we started doing the um, um, small retreats, leadership retreats for our women. Now remember, Keith said we had 35 churches, so there is no way that we can be in all those churches all at the same time. So we have started doing small um, groups and inviting two to three women from each one of the churches in each zone. So there's about four to five churches in each one of our areas. And so we've um, started these little retreats for them and inviting them to come in to be taught, to learn, to form these friendships and these relationships, and then to take it back out into their churches and uh, implement it there. And so one of our very first retreats um, was called uh, Restoration Through Forgiveness. And as we were going through this, um, now remember, Keith and I are together 24-7, 365,000 days a week. Um, so, yeah, that was one of the hardest things to learn, to, to be able to do ministry together and be together all the time. But now we can't see ourselves doing anything different. But whenever we're doing ministry, whether it's teaching pastors or leaders um, or our women's ministry, we are um, there side by side doing it together. And that has been beautiful um, as well. But when we were talking about and planning for this, uh, this first retreat, um, we didn't know how it was going to go because we were asking women to leave their communities who have never left their community before and travel seven hours into one central place. And, um, and so God was, his hand was at work on many different levels to allow that to happen. And I love to give gifts. You know, when people come into our house, I like to give them a gift. And I like to, um, for these ladies, they, they usually don't have very much of anything. And so I wanted to give them a gift when they came in um, for this retreat. So I went downtown in Puebla, and we have this pottery called Talavera. And it's beautiful. It's un each piece is handmade. It's unique. There are no two pieces that are alike. So I went down and I bought um, mugs to give to these ladies when they came in for the retreat. And so the week before, in prayer, I felt as God was saying, Deb, put each one in a, in a bag and break it. Have you guys ever broken something that's beautiful and unique on purpose or even accidental? That's hard. I was like, God, I don't want to do that. So I had this internal struggle. But as the, the week progressed and the ladies came in, I handed each one of them a broken mug. Can you imagine the look on their face? Thanks for nothing, Hermana Deb, you know? Well, what are you doing? And so the idea was we asked them to take off their hat, to take off their mom hat, whatever hat their wife had, whatever hat that they were wearing, take it off and lay it down and come in at the foot of Jesus just being the most the child of the Most High God. That takes pressure off of us, church, when we can do that. And so we started asking God to reveal to us where we were broken in our lives. Because even after you have accepted Christ as your Savior, we still have some brokenness. And so as we were asking him to um, 
revealed to us where we were broken, the tears started falling. And we were talking about the four different relationships because church, sometimes we blame God for our brokenness. Sometimes when people have done stuff to us, we blame him, we blame ourselves, and we blame others. And it's nothing different than the women and the men that we work with in Mexico. And so God was revealing to us. It was a hard weekend. We had tears, we had laughter, but we were creating disciples. And so as we were putting, um, going through this, and he was revealing these, this brokenness to us, we started gluing back our mugs back together. And some of the ladies had three or four pieces, so that was pretty easy to glue back together. Some of them had eight to ten. And the other women started coming around the other ones and helping them. And this is the kingdom of God. We are broken. And when we allow people to walk with us in this, there is restoration. There's restoration in forgiveness. It's not forgetting, but it's forgiving. And as we go, went through this weekend, um, sometimes it's hard to talk about. God was doing a, a work inside of me. And so when we, are, when we are teaching each other, when we are in community, it's receiving as well as giving. And um, Keith and I, when we went back to, um, when we were leaving last April to come back to the United States, we went to one of our friends' house, Josefa, and um, we were talking to her because then COVID um, transpired. And she said, Hermana Deb, she said, I had my cup sitting on my table during this whole time of COVID. She goes, our, our community was shut down for um, a few months and we were not able to receive food in. We had to rely on what we were growing. And she said, but I would look at that cup and I remembered that I still have value. I have value in the eyes of God. The cup might have been broken and put back together, but it had value. And this is what he's saying to us today. You have value. You may be broken in one way or another. You may have some chips on you, but you have value in the eyes of Jesus. She said, and I remembered that, I, that God is restoring each and every one of us to something new to something better today than we were yesterday. And church, you're a part of this, and we thank you. Well, do me a favor and close your eyes for a moment. And let's just take a few breaths. Think of how God is speaking to you. And on the, on the count of three, I want you to do something. Um, just to, uh, in, in a light voice, in a whisper, um, just say your name. Your, your, your name. One, two, You can open your eyes. That is your God-given name. As you were formed in your mother's womb, that is the name God knew you by. He called your name. 
each one of us, I don't know a lot of you, but each one of us come from a different background. Each one of us have some baggage we bring along with us. Each one of us have some, some struggles. Each one of us have victories. Each one of us have the, this thing called life coming in and around us. And God whispers your name to say, you are mine. You are my people called by my name. And he invites us into a relationship first with him. Because, see, the reason that our world is distorted is because it's distorted within relationship with God. See, if we have that relationship right, other, it, it floods out into our other relationships. But every other relationship with ourself, with our community, with nature, becomes distorted because of a broken relationship with God. And there's this invitation of him always drawing us to him, to who he is. Children of God. And I don't know where you are in that relationship, but I believe that in, in, in Genesis 3.9, probably the most profound question that's ever asked in the Bible was asked in Genesis 3.9. And the question is the question to Adam and Eve. And God says, where are you? You whispered your name. So the next question I have is, where are you? It wasn't a geographical question. God knew exactly what bush, what tree, wherever, where they were. The question was, where are you with me? See, the road onto salvation is this idea of, of God, I'm a sinner. God, I'm in need of you. It's a recognition that I can't do this journey alone. And God's got this invitation to say, come as you are. Repent. Come as you are. Confess me as your Lord and Savior. Confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You still have the baggage. You still have the, the struggle. You still have each of these things. But what you have is you have a recognition that he is there with you walking and you are not alone, church. And this is the invitation to come and to join him in something that he is doing already in you and then into your community around you. So as we, we have a song, as we have a song to just a, a time of reflection here as we enter into this, that if, if, if God has moved in your heart in a way this morning that is, God, I, maybe I haven't ever answered that question. Maybe, maybe I got it here in my head that I know who you are. But it's almost like Job, when, when, when Job was this righteous man, but it wasn't until the end of the, the, the book of Job where Job said, I had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And many times that's where we end up in relationship with God is we think that we've heard of God, we've heard of this, but what we've not done is our eyes have not seen him in a personal and real way. And if that's a commitment that you want to make to be a believer of Jesus Christ, there's a card, is that correct, Pastor? There's a card there for you to fill out to have a conversation with your pastors here that can lead you and guide you in that, 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 that justification and into a, 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 the, the part of becoming more like Christ each and every day. That's the invitation, church. And the question lies today is, where are you? Our God loves you. 
We give him glory and honor.